monotonously alike all the great tyrants and conquerors have been. How gloriously different the saints. C.S. Lewis Welcome to Bookish, a literary podcast. I'm Paul, and it's time again, after about a month hiatus, for the Sunday Ramble. Now, I haven't been gone for a month, but the Ramble's been gone for about that long. And just as it was time to bring back Short Story Saturday, it's time to bring back the Ramble. And I'll admit at the outset that this Ramble is particularly rambly. So let's get right into it. One of the first things I want to talk about on this fine Sunday, one of the first cool Sundays here in Texas, is about a literary art form that's gone out of favor in recent times, that in my opinion is sorely needed today. The hagiography. If you happen to be scratching your head because you have no clue what hagiography is, you're not alone. The word itself is used even less frequently today than the genre itself. It's taken from the ancient Greek, a combination of two words, hagios, meaning holy, and graphia, meaning writing. So basically, a hagiography is a biography of a saint or other spiritually noteworthy person. And while it can be found across all world religions, it's most common in Christianity, particularly Catholic and Orthodox Christianity. If you've heard the term at all recently, it was probably applied to a political biography because since so many political biographies of recent days have been just glowing accounts of the wonderful things that the various politicians did, they've been called hagiographies or hagiographic, sorry I stumbled over the word there, because in some ways that's what the Christian hagiographies, especially of the distant past, were. They were fantastical in some ways, more legend and myth than actual history. But as we'll see, there's something to be said for that too. In a nutshell, a Christian hagiography tells the story of the lives, deeds, sometimes miracles, of both those who've already been canonized by the church and those whom adherents believe ultimately should be declared saints. These ancient hagiographies did a lot more than just that though. In a lot of cases, especially going back to the early days of Christianity, and by early days I'm talking the 200s, the 300s, you know, not long after the founding of Christianity, the hagiographies are some of the only records we have, not only of the lives of the saints, but of the history of the time. Information about emperors and customs and wars and any number of other things that would have been totally lost to us had they not been written down by these people advancing the causes of these saintly men and women. So why do I think they're a neglected literary art form? Especially since as I admit at the outset, they clearly include myths and legends along with facts. Because we need all three. And more importantly, we need heroes. 
Not the current sports and entertainment personalities everyone seems to worship, but real heroes. In a world awash with tell-all biographies, lurid confessionals, and reality TV nonsense, hagiographies present everyday saints who put others ahead of themselves. A completely novel concept today. What do I mean by everyday saints? Before these people were immortalized in stone and stained glass, they were just like you and me. And it's important to note that none of them were perfect. They just got up every time they fell down, kept their focus on serving God and serving their fellow man. Now, I'm not trying to advance a religious viewpoint here, but I am telling you that a culture that has no heroes has no hope. And what we're writing today has no heroes. So as part of our normal ramble recommendation, go out and get a hagiography. Get a book on the life of a saint from Chesterton's excellent Life of St. Francis of Assisi to any number of books about Pope St. John Paul II to books about Mother Teresa of Calcutta. The older the hagiography, the more likely that there's some myth mixed in with the, with the facts. But hey, isn't there a lot of myth in things like Star Wars and the Marvel Universe? And we all love that. So anyway, that's my recommendation for bringing back the lost art of hagiography. And if you're so inclined, start writing hagiographies yourself. There's certainly a market for it and not a lot of competition. For the second part of this admittedly brief Sunday ramble, I'm going to what some would consider the total opposite extreme of the hagiography. And we're going to talk a little bit about Halloween and reading. Now, I personally don't believe that it's the total opposite when you're talking Halloween and hagiographies, because contrary to popular belief, Halloween began as a religious festival, a three-day time in the church of All Hallows' Eve, All Saints' Day, and All Souls' Day. That part's just been forgotten by most people and co-opted by people trying to sell slutty nurse costumes and a lot of alcohol. Arguments over the origins of Halloween aside, October is the perfect time for scary reading. The seasons are changing. It's getting darker earlier. The feel is just right for it. And it culminates with Halloween. Most people who wouldn't even consider reading scary stories at any other time are open to it during the month of October. So I'm going to recommend a few. Pretty much this is just going to be a straight recommendation segment. But a few that everyone should read that are perfect for these chilly, spooky nights. Some of them I've talked about in previous podcast episodes, so I'm not going to go into a lot of detail or review of them. I'm just going to give you a list that you need to pick up and read between now and November 1st. You absolutely have to read Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House. It is the ultimate ghost story slash psychological thriller. In a similar vein, 
and one that came before Henry James' The Turn of the Screw. I would also add, and it's not typically a ghost story, Halloween story per se, but I would add Conan Doyle's Hound of the Baskervilles, my favorite Sherlock Holmes story. Then, two by Kings, one by Stephen King, which would be The Shining, a book that terrified me when I was 11 years old and still does today. If you saw the movie and it scared you, you haven't seen anything until you've read the book. And then finally, Stephen King's son, Joe Hill, wrote one of the best horror novels, I believe, of all time in Heart Shaped Box. If you don't read any of what I've recommended except for Heart Shaped Box, you'll have done a great justice to yourself. So get out there, curl up next to the fire, and be prepared to be creeped out. So that's the Sunday Ramble for this week. I promise I will be more diligent in having it happen every Sunday as it did for so long in the past. And I'll try to get better about having consistent episodes midweek as well. It's been a really difficult time. There's a lot of things going on. But you know what? Books need to take precedence over a lot of the other garbage. Like going to work, paying bills, things like that. Because books matter. So anyway, have a great week and keep on reading. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Bookish. I hope you're finding it both enlightening and entertaining. If you are, I hope you'll consider supporting the podcast. We have a Patreon page where you can support us at www.patreon.com forward slash bookish podcast. And you can also support us at the support this podcast link on the various platforms that you listen on. It'll go a long way towards helping us continue to provide new episodes and hopefully get to the point where we'll be totally ad-free. So I thank you for your support.